Welcome to the Crying in My Cheesecake podcast. I am Danielle, your host here, and welcome to 2023. Y'all, we made it. We've made it yet another year post-pandemic, post the crazy world. And if you're an elder millennial or Gen Xer like me, you may realize that we were made for this crazy world. And I've come to this conclusion. We've not known a world without crazy. And there are things like, I'm just gonna walk you through things. Like as I was just sitting and reflecting about 2022, at the end, I was thinking we've had things like or we've experienced the AIDS epidemic, pandemic, whatever the correct word is. We've watched Chernobyl, the Berlin Wall fall. We've watched Exxon Valdez spill, the Challenger explosion, Iran-Contra affair, just say no campaign. And that was it's just the 80s like there was always some turmoil and then in the 90s we've had like this is just in the top of my mind the columbine shooting the los angeles riots the oklahoma city bombing bosnia genocide monica Lewinsky scandal echo siege the ruby ridge persian gulf war rwanda genocide taliban seized kabul 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 hong kong was returned to china congress impeached bill clinton that like it was our president and like the first time I knew in my personal life that I witnessed a president could get in trouble. Kosovo, Kosovo War, Desert Storm, the apocalypse of Y2K. Do you remember that? Do you remember Y2K? I, like My mom is not into parties. I'm actually not into parties either, but my family is like, like my dad's side of the family was into celebrating New Year's together and, and we never went. And I, anyway, all that to say, like my mom actually went to the New Year's the New Year's party, the only New Year's party I've ever been to with her and with my family was for Y2K because we everybody was so scared it was the end of the world and you know nobody wanted to be alone. So, but that's just a few things I remember from the 90s. And as if the 90s weren't bad or crazy enough, the 2000s said, oh, hold my beer. We had a ship bombed named the USS Cole. We had 9-11 with the anthrax scares. You remember that? Like I was in high school, like worried about getting anthrax in my mail. Enron scandal, a Department of Homeland Security was established. The priest pedophilia cover-ups. I do want to talk about that here in just a little bit, but priest pedophilia cover-ups, shock and awe the invasion of Iraq. I remember this, that I was dating my husband at the time. I was still in high school. He was 25, but I was dating my husband and we watched the shock and awe, the invasion of Iraq happen together on TV. The Columbia exploded. And an interesting story about the Columbia, it was a, a ship coming back from space. And on that ship was my husband's doctor's husband. And so he was, he exploded in that crash. My husband's, one of his grandfathers died, came around. I was one of the first people like in, is it 2004 maybe? That Facebook was live and I got that when I was in college. Hurricane Katrina, the devastation from that is still around and you're still seeing that. The Great Recession, the Great Recession happened. So that's just the 2000s, 2010. And I can't believe I've been alive this long for this many decades. We had WikiLeaks, we had Dow Jones that flash crash. We had Occupy Wall Street and I totally forgot about this, but it was a thing, that whole 1% strike thing. Bin Laden was killed and so was Gaddafi. Our country, our country was still reeling from that financial crisis of 2008. There was a Syrian civil war, the Boston Marathon bombing, an Ebola virus, and refuge, refugee crisis, the Brexit, Zika, more shootings in schools, churches, etc. Like literally things crashing. Whoops! Literally things just constantly going off. And for me, I was thinking about oh, I haven't had a break in these last two years. So it's 2023 when you're listening to this. I'm like, I haven't had a break in the last 
we haven't had a chance to recover from the next crisis. Kind of like I, I attribute it to labor pains. We haven't had time to recover between the labor, the, you know, the, what is it? Is it labor pain? Contractions. We haven't had time to cover, recover from the contractions. And then I started thinking, you know, like we had all these things happen for those three decades. Then we now have the 2020s and the most recent pandemic of 2020, the riots, the blatant sexualization of children, the continued enabling of feelings versus facts, the hiding, the questionable elections, and the family demise. In school, I was taught it was so important to go back and reflect on what's happening in the past with a 2020 vision. So like go back and reflect with a 2020 vision so that the past doesn't happen again. And yet from what I've shared with you, it seems like there's this progression of things getting worse, isn't there? Like just more hits more frequently and the hits are no longer over there or something that we can hide from the hits are really personal let's just take a look at viruses from the 80s to now back in the 80s reagan cut spending to social health care modalities and then all of a sudden aids became a pandemic or epidemic or whatever the correct verbiage is or the word is when trump came into office he did the same thing and unleashed out of china was a bioweapon to control our population whatever else it was designed for but call me crazy since 2020, I have woken up and realized there are no coincidences. If you are a follower of Jesus, like we will always say in our little Christian circles, like, oh, I don't believe in coincidences. That must have been faith or fate, or it must have been God's plan. Like we say these things in, in our spiritual life and personal life, but what about like in real life? We don't think about that. But I've woken up and realized there are no coincidences, and yet we don't remember what happened in the 80s anymore. And history doesn't lie. Events build upon each other. Let's move into the 90s when that pedophilia, I was talking about the pedophilia, was brought into light with the priest scandals. And I remember these as my first real thought that adults could abuse children in disgusting ways. Not the physical or emotional mental abuse isn't disgusting. But it's truly, but to truly take away a child's ignorance, I cannot believe anyone would do, like, it, it's unfathomable, unfathomable. I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to the Catholic faith, and I'll be the first to say that, but I do have family and friends and mentors who belong to that faith. And I don't think this priest thing is something that's, that is new. I think it is something that has happened over the centuries. I think it may be something that's always been there. I think that this situation speaks to a greater issue, that sex abuse is there and it's being covered up. And for me, that awakening was as a young child in the 90s. I started kindergarten in 1990. I had to go back and like figure this out. I started kindergarten in 1990. I had tried to start in 1989, but I failed my kindergarten test. Does anybody send me a message? Did anybody else take a kindergarten test in order to be to be accepted into kindergarten? I don't even think they do that anymore. It's just expected you go no matter if you're ready or not. But I was five when I took that test. I was five when I took that test. And then when I turned six was when I actually passed the test. So I I wasn't quite ready and I ended up being one of the older people in my class which is a whole nother story for another time but maybe that's where my test taking fright came from and I just kind of had an epiphany there right alongside you that that might be my test taking problem but anyway you might say well how do you remember all this you were so young how do you remember any of these things from when you were five six and maybe even younger and I would say to you well my friend I may have been young based on age, but mentally I was probably at least 10, 20 years older. I grew up with a cop as the father and I heard the stories. 
heard lots of stories. I knew what was happening in society around me. I knew what was happening in government, like on the general. There was always news on, always had a police scanner go in my house. And that's actually how I fell asleep. I don't, I can't go to sleep without noise in the background. And because I listened to my father on the scanner to go to sleep. So I kind of attribute that to like bringing down my calm and that security. But I knew, I knew who was struggling. I know and still knew back then what to look for in a quote-unquote bad guy or a quote-unquote good guy. I knew how to get out of bad situations and how to always be alert. I knew about abusive kids because I heard about it. My favorite tape to rent at the, at the video store, <laughs> again, this will date me, and I don't know if anybody even has any recollection of what this is, but if this gives you some of my personality from when I was a kid to even today, my favorite tape to go rent at the video store was called Winnie the Pooh's Too Smart for Strangers. Too smart for strangers. Anyway, I don't need to be singing. If you've not ever heard of this, I'm totally going to link this down in the show notes. It is now on YouTube. But I would sit and not move during this whole movie. I think it was like a 40-minute movie maybe. And a side note, Winnie the Pooh, I was not a cartoon Winnie the Pooh person. In fact, I would change it. I hated it even as a very young child. I liked the version of this, the Too Smart for Strangers version. And it was on Disney Channel for a while. I think was it called Pooh's Corner, where the people were inside the costumes. I don't know if anybody remembers that. Is it just me? But all that to say, I was a different personality. I was raised different than all of the children in my community, in my age range. My mother is like the town's beautician basically and or was mostly for the whole town and we were very well known and I was just raised to be much more mature than my the number on my birth certificate allows me to be. So we have this pre-sex scandal brought into the news and then it's just gone. Putting something out there gently begins to take away the sensitivity to such issues. I'm going to say that again. That priest issue with the sex scandal was brought into the news and then was just gone. And putting something out there gently, like kind of just exposing that, it begins to take away the sensitivity to such issues. We'll move into the 2000s and the government is, a, is funding abortions. We're seeing more and more kids killed by their parents because of whatever excuse there is and the campaigns of moms and dads seeking help and walking away, to walk away and calm down. I remember this, you guys. I remember this. That there were commercials that if you're struggling as a parent to put the child in the crib and walk away before you lose control. We had, like, this is when I was trying to think, is it the gal that killed her kids? Like, I'm thinking through this stuff. Like, this is so real. Postpartum depression, all of these things. We have set up in local governments and communities in, in the United States that I know of, at least in the Midwest, like safe harbor families to send your children to before you harm them. This is where we're at. We are, we are in a place where it's almost acceptable to not have to take self-responsibility, to not reflect, to not see the bigger picture. And then we started this intersectionality thing, and I'm probably saying it wrong, intersections of life. Basically, this is all about identifying each other by our backgrounds and whatever we want that day. Basically saying, you can't understand me because you don't have the same intersectionality or whatever as me. 
Then we move into the 2010s and we're putting kids in front of highly sexualized drag shows, letting them identify as whatever they want for that day. There are, as I speak now, I know of at least three school systems that have cat litter in their bathrooms. Kids wearing cat collars, leashes, other things. Balenciaga had their kids on the the ads for this highly BDSM sexualize these children. And we have shows on Netflix that flaunt them or whatever. We are castrating our children. And all of this, in my opinion, is connected to population control. This behavior we've conditioned, been conditioned to is considered affirming, tolerant, and loving. But what's really happening is that we have been divided based on our intersections and labels as either an ally or a Christian or a conservative or a racist or a bigot or xenophobic or transphobic or whatever else to remove the weight of the words from the person who doesn't align with the population control method of castrating children. The only difference for now is those who don't align with the cultural patterns, they aren't wearing a star on their chest. And as this cultural shift happens, I'm realizing what's actually happening is we are dividing people. We are dividing families. We are taking the idea of the family unit and just mixing it. You don't need to have a husband and a wife at home to raise children. A, a, a mom can do it all her own or her dad can do it all her own, but that's not how we were designed. And we wonder why, why we're struggling. And this, this cultural shift, all of this is happening. It seems so quickly. Yet this, what I just went through from the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and 2020, in my lifetime, I can see the progression each decade. I will not speak to the 60s and 70s because I wasn't alive then, but I'm sure those that read about those decades or have lived through those decades can even expound upon the decades that I just shared, can't you? The power of reflection is pivotal on a cultural basis, but it's becoming a lost art. I remember in school, we learned so much about history and we were taught not to repeat it but instead learn from it. Make this world a better one than, than we entered into. We're not doing that anymore. Everything is so selfish and so emotion-based or whatever, like so based on self. The generation directly behind me was the generation of participation trophies. Everyone got to play, parents enabling their behavior, but not making them fight and find their way. They, they didn't have to earn their way. There is nothing in that generation that does not prove that they were not that they were taught socialism by the way they were raised. They don't feel like they that they want to do something, so they don't. They cry, get upset, throw a fit even as adults when they're held accountable for doing something they were supposed to do. What happens when when mom and dad are gone and cannot enable that behavior anymore? These people are voting for a government to be their mommy and daddy. The generation behind that has lots of broken families in it. Dad's not at home. Mom's trying to do both sides of the teaching while working two to three jobs or, or going to school because the mom needs to pro provide for that family. She's got to. They're independent and told that they're independent and don't want to work alongside others or these kids, they don't, they're independent. They don't want to work alongside others or they think their way is the only way because that's the safety. They've learned to do that for their safety, for themselves, to do for themselves. Then we move forward into pandemic kids. These kids are a whole new realm. These kids, let's just think about the kindergartners 
they don't know how to socialize, especially those that just started because they don't know how to talk to others or even how to engage in play. They don't know. And it's heartbreaking when you look at it fully. It's separation, like I said, and the design of the family, separation of the design of the family, it's population control. It's selfishness. It's greed. It's a broken world we live in. And you know, in the Old Testament, the word remember appears a ton. I used to know that number off the top of my head. I guess I need to remember, right? Remember in the Old Testament language, the Hebrew language means to pass through the lips, meaning it has to be uttered, spoken, talked about through our lips in order to remember because it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to forget that the God who lives in us parted that Red Sea, didn't just have dribbles or mud that they had to walk across to save those Israelites. They had dry ground, dry ground. It's so easy to forget the God who did that lives within us, thanks to Jesus tearing that veil and dividing, or I'm sorry, and dying on that cross. It's so easy to forget what God did for us yesterday, how he provided for us in the past. So it's easy to forget when times are easy and when times are tough that God is still with us and he's not surprised. Reflection allows us an opportunity to remember. Last month I did something I've never done before and that was that I hosted an end of year party, like a reflection party for my Wilderness of Wellness members. I invited the public into that and I did that because I felt called to host this thing. Now I'm not a party girl by any means like we already talked about, I'm not a party girl by any means. I'll set up the party, participate in a party, but I'm just not a party gal. I'd rather be at home in my sweatpants with my family listening or watching some kind of crime drama TV show or whatever. Yeah, I hosted this end of year party because I know people need to reflect. We've had a long two years. It feels like 2020 and 2021 are just a dream or a nightmare and we'll wake up soon. Sometime we'll wake up. I wanted 2023 to be the wake up year to no longer be a victim, to no longer sit in the grief, no longer fall prey, but to actually take action. So I did it. I created a workbook to guide us through reflecting through the past year. The things, the thing is we can always find something bad, right? We can always find the bad. We can always find the hard. We can always find the disappointments. But what's hard to find are the good things, the lessons, the things that we will take with us forever. And we'll never have these lessons without going through 2022, without going through 2021, 20. I thought it would be fun to share, though, what I learned each month in 2022. I used to share these on my personal Instagram stories, but I no longer use my personal pages anymore. And I think this is probably the best place to put them, honestly, because you'll be able to feel and experience the lessons the hardships, the good that comes from some troubles, right? So let's start with January. January, in January, 2020 was a shock to my system. 2021 had been a noose around my neck. So 2022 needed to be a year of growth, a year of yes. I said yes to so many things in 2022. I knew 2022 was going to be busy and hard mentally and physically, and that God had something to show me. I needed to be patient, put my head down, and get to work. And that's exactly what I did. I followed through. I learned the importance of the follow through. February, I went to Dubai. I went to the United Arab Emirates, my first foreign experience other than Canada. I really don't call Canada 
foreign, but I was truly more scared of Canada than Dubai for some reason. I went to Dubai as a mastermind trip for my business. And I think I was there maybe six days, six days. And I was scared of the flight. I was afraid I was going to get claustrophobic, but I wasn't. It was, it was a fast, fast flight there, a fast flight home. And it was enjoyable. I got there in the, the, it smelled like oil. <laughs> it smelled like oil there. If you're not sure where Dubai is, it's on the continent that Saudi Arabia is on. And I encountered the nicest people the kindest people that had each other's back. I encountered, and I'm not talking the people just from my group, I'm talking about the people of Dubai. I encountered an open mindset, an open mindset that my way is not always the right way and I do need to ask for help. I heard the, uh, the prayer, calls to prayer, the five calls to prayer every day, and it was a reminder that I need to have a call to prayer. If it is tradition and customary for the Muslims, why am I not doing that? Why am I only flippantly praying? Why do I not stop my life to pray? Where is my priority? You know, the people in Dubai are very wealthy and people told me, oh, it's so expensive there. And actually it's not. I was actually quite surprised. I was quite surprised at how not expensive it was. But everybody there, well, you knew some people, you could tell some people flaunted their money I and mean, that's okay. But what I noticed is that everybody was slow. They took their time at meals. They took their time, except on the roads. Oh my gosh, I thought I was going to die sometimes. Everybody took their time. No one was in a hurry. And I'm like, why am I always in a hurry? Why am I rushing? Why is everything I do a rush? I had 24 hours there just like I have 24 hours here. Why am I rushing? I also learned some things that I needed to let go of, some things I needed to let, that there were some things that I could automate in my life. I could delete or I could delegate. And so I let those kind of marinate in my brain and I was able to start introducing those in my actual life in the summer. And I'll talk about that here in a little bit. In March, March of 2022, teaching is one of my favorite things to do. Creating a lesson from a theme, researching, organizing my thoughts, and putting together a solid presentation is one of my favorite processes to go through. It's edifying when months later, people still talk about how impactful the lesson was in their lives. But for me though, it's that careful research, the connecting of my story to the research to build that bridge across for people to access the knowledge and apply it to their lives. That's what's beautiful to me. The process is bigger than me. The knowledge I gain is useless unless I share it with others in an impactful way. April, running hard runs me into the ground. From January to April, my husband and I were like two ships passing in the night, flying out of town, out of country from one another. It was lonely and it was hard. So we took our first family trip to Hawaii, mine and my kids first time. My husband's been there multiple times. We went and spent two weeks there. I sat on the beach. I ate some great food. I think I read four or five books <laughs> and I don't ever do that because I don't ever make the time to do that. I was at peace. And what I noticed was the first three days I wanted to work. The first three days, I felt this like aching, this pain, this, this rush of like nervous energy through my body. But on that next day, because I sat and I chose to soak in the calm and the peace that is aloha, I was at peace. I had tears in my eyes at the airport to return home. 
I have never done that before. I've always wanted to go home wherever I was. But leaving that airport, I was in tears. This trip reminded me I need to find aloha in my everyday life here on the mainland. At the end of April, also, one of my, I had a crushing blow. Naomi Judd took her own life. Naomi Judd and Winona Judd, they are, they've been there my whole life. Like literally in 1984, when I was born, that's when they had their first hit on the record or on the radio stations. And I think about that and they've been there my whole life. I realized a whole generation is leaving. A whole generation is leaving me. In May, May, I came home with pure rest and peace. And I learned that it allows me to hit the ground running with a focused mind and a renewed energy and spirit. Coming from, from, coming home from Hawaii was a high like no other. I moved through the days better. I listened better. I was motivated to do things I normally wouldn't have time for. In June, June, I learned, or learned I can learn new things, hard things, and still enjoy it. I joined Olympic lifting club and an Olympic an Olympic lifting club and started working out on the skills and the sport of ollie lifting and I loved it. I wanted to be pushed. I wanted to cut out of my comfort zone, but my pelvic floor gave out that first week. It seized up in ways that you don't want to experience, rendering me not able to stand up, let alone walk. It scared me. I and I tears flew from my eyes, not necessarily from the pain. Like the pain was awful, but Tears flew from my eyes. I wondered why I was so emotional about it. And on the way home, God sweetly reminded me, you don't want to be held back by your body. You've seen your dad held back by his for decades. The hurt it caused you and your family. The things you missed out on because of it. The things he missed out on it because of it. Are you willing to put in the work to not be held back by yours now? And that hit me like a ton of bricks because I'd already lost the weight, put on muscle, and I was the fittest I'd been in probably ever, actually. Yet I realized my body is always a work in progress. It's never done. It's never finished until I meet Jesus face to face. If I want something new, I'll need to do maintenance and things that are hard to attain that new. And I think that that leads me into how I've started to change my business, the way I've looked at my business. God has been in every bit of this. Moving forward to July, my grandmother passed. My last living grandmother passed. She had been in the nursing home for at least seven years with Alzheimer's and her body, except for the last few, like the last year or so, her body still looked like she was able. Her mind was gone and it was it was something I never expected to be so miserable. My grandmother was the one who was at my wedding, the one who, when no one wanted anything to do with me, she was there. My grandmother was not perfect, but she's the one who showed me the perfect one in Jesus. She continued to encourage me to get to church, to read my Bible, to study, to do more, to stand up, do the hard things, be the woman that no one, that you don't need a man, but you get to enjoy the company of a man, that you're a partner, she taught me my role in life. She taught me a lot of things, and I think I'm gonna do a full episode dedicated to her, but I'm gonna leave that there. It's one thing that when you know your grandmother is gone, but it's another thing when she really is gone. I'm grateful for the opportunity that I got to FaceTime with her before she passed and thank her for that. Thank her for what her role was in my life, and I think that was very helpful. One thing that's got me really emotional is when I think about the last times with my grand, or the last week my grandmother, a few days my grandmother was alive. My father is not well enough to go see her, and hasn't been well enough to go there in a while. And so he called 
the nursing home or whatever it's called and asked if he could, if a nurse would FaceTime, FaceTime him to talk to his mother. And my grandmother had been unresponsive for a few days at that point. As soon as my dad said, hey mom, as a mom with my first child being a son, just how important that relationship is between a mom and her firstborn son, especially when you have a tumultuous upbringing or a tumultuous family life, the responsibility of that son and almost that partnership between the mom and son is huge. So that was a blessing. I mean, it felt very peaceful to experience. But July also reminded me and taught me that being so busy that I cannot volunteer at my kids' activities is unacceptable. I missed out on activities, moments of their fun, laughter, light bulbs, etc. Because I am so busy with my work. Because I am so available to everyone else. Because I put my work above them. And it may sound, you may be like, oh, Danielle, you're with your kids all day, every day. You homeschool them, you're with them. But I get them for a few short 18 years. And I'll, I'll get to this eventually, but my oldest son is 12 and he, this past month, asked me, hey, mom, will you volunteer at my middle school ministry? And I'm like, well, why? And the reasons why he wants me to do it is because he knows like, it's not, he said, he claims it's very wild and just not structured very well and whatever. And he knows that his mama can take can take take names and probably handle it all herself but i'm like buddy i would love to volunteer and i'm going to figure out where i belong and i will i will do my best to get in there and so i'm making steps for that but notice that was july july i learned that but i wasn't able to start making steps in that until a few months later moving forward into august oh i'm not done with july july also i was given a text from my mother saying that there's nothing more that they can do for my father's heart that what is happening with his heart is all needing to be managed with his medicines and that's all they have left and there's a lot of discouragement in that but also a lot of empowerment and reminder of why i am here doing what i do why i'm here doing what i do moving forward to august i learned that when a dot when my daughter asked me for a girl's day i need to do it and i need to be all in i want to be a mother that knows her kids it's so easy to love our kids it's so easy to do that but it's hard to know them hard to get into the, their interests especially if they are so different from your own i will be present with my children no matter what I also met some of my favorite people in August in Boise, Idaho. I walked into an event center and knew I was with my people. You know what it's like when you walk into a room and you're like, these are my people. The, feel the feeling of being valued, seen, and known, having the same worldview is so empowering. And I vowed to continue meeting and fulfilling this need regularly with these people. In September, remember I talked about what I learned in July about being so busy in September. Do I even see my children's eyes anymore? why is my house a nightmare why am i so overwhelmed something has to something has to change and i don't even know what it is september was a very rough month for me i was ready to just be done with my business and go back to being quote unquote just a mom and a wife but what was underneath was a nightmare i was working too much i was not only the ceo of crying to my cheesecake but i was the employee and i had no room to dream anymore let alone take care of my family and house there was also more death that month the queen died there were people that i grew up with again that generation i said that is passing they're all passing there was so much death that happened in october i learned i needed to slow down i am a woman a helpmate i am not wired to be the provider of my family and i don't need to be the provider of my family the people who get my time must 
earn it as time with me is an elite opportunity for people outside of my home, outside of my husband and children. Anyone, anytime someone meets with me, anytime someone pays for pays me for time, it should be a top dollar because every moment I'm with someone else, I'm taking away from my home and the eyeballs of my children. I need to have extreme boundaries to protect my time, my heart, my family, my health. I was also re reminded the importance of a healthcare team around me that I can trust to support my wellness needs because I was two months away from a heart attack from stress. Not because there's plaque in my arteries, not because I'm eating wrong, not because of anything but stress. I was two months away from my very first heart attack. I would have beaten my father. My father had his first heart attack at 42. I would have had one at 38 or 39 years old. I would have beaten him. And that's what I'm here to fight. I'm here to fight heart disease and diabetes with everything I have. I'm here to also help other people that have other ailments that they want to fight and beat and not be that statistic. And typically the first thing that, that will sit, if everything is perfect, we're working out, we're eating right, we've got the right supplements, we're doing everything we're supposed to do. If our lifestyle management is not there, it doesn't matter. It throws it all away. But the best thing with lifestyle management is it can be corrected quickly. And I'm happy to say that I am healthy. I'm working toward, I'm working toward more health and better stress management techniques. Moving into November, it's time for help. I tell everyone it's okay to ask for help. So it's my turn. I hired a one-to-one -one business mentor. Absolutely adore her and applied and was accepted into a high-level mastermind to support my business. Once my business is supported and running the way I want it to run, not what a brick and mortar business runs and how they run, I will have more time to live the life I want, that I want and need. This year was about growth. I knew growing was fun, but also would be painful. In December, I realized I had experienced both. I grew as a person and my business grew astronomically thanks to in part mostly to you. Then it was time for a season of pruning. I didn't realize some of the pruning had happened by itself without me having to physically do it, but also I realized how painful pruning is. I've had to prune pieces of my business, prune people from my business, prune people from my life, prune activities from my life. And all that means is I have no more baggage holding me down to truly flourish next year or this next year. For example, something that was painful for me was, was the realization of how many people that have naturally pruned themselves for my life. We moved to Ohio about four and a half years ago. And before that, I had a huge network of people I was associated with in Indianapolis, Indiana. I lived in Indianapolis since I was about 19 years old. And it was the first time ever having to build my own roots, my own communities, my own people around me. There was a time I could not leave my house without someone knowing me anywhere in the city. I realized I've only had three people visit me since I moved and none of them were from Indianapolis. One of them was my cousin who was my best friend. But yeah, isn't that crazy? It's interesting to look back on how much I needed those people to build my roots and, and the confidence. And now we have nothing in common anymore. It doesn't make any, any of us bad or, or anything like that. It just means that we were there for each other at the perfect time and the perfect time is no longer needed. It's sad, but it's also exciting because it is less to hold me down and means I can flourish and so can they. I also learned what true brotherhood and sisterhood looks like for the first time this month. I have two couples that I feel like are my brothers and sisters to me. 
They drove two hours each way just to spend four hours with me and my husband. I do not deserve that kind of love. And honestly, I don't know if I've ever had that kind of brotherly, sisterly love. They were the first people from the central Indiana area to visit me, but we're not just, and we were not friends before I moved. We became family after I moved away. While 2022 has allowed me to see Dubai, California, Florida, Hawaii, Idaho, and a lot of growth, I was also awoken to what I didn't get to see much of. My kids' eyes, my house was a mess, I had clutter everywhere, and I was always behind on laundry. Someone was always needing underwear. The thing is, if I didn't sit to reflect on 2022, I'd have missed out on the good that came from it. I'd be stuck on the negatives of this year when really there are a lot of exciting things that happened and things that need to carry over. And now 2023 is set for intentionality. So my question is, do you reflect well? Do you have a system in place to support you in your endeavors, to celebrate your wins, your breakthroughs, and to sit with you in your struggles and lead you out? Here at Crying to My Cheesecake, we offer you support when you need it and when you don't. The Wilderness of Wellness is a social community that provides you all you need when it comes to your physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional health. Having a community there for, your, for you regularly with live meetings, with practical tools, with a team surrounding you, with every area of wellness addressed, this is what that community is for you. If you're interested in learning more about the Wilderness of Wellness and this community that we provide, that we're constantly bettering each other, we're constantly talking about our goals, we're constantly being authentic and vulnerable and peeling away the onion, then look at the links below in the show notes and you can check that out there or just go to crinomycheesecake.com and check that out. The website at this time of recording is currently being updated, so I'm not sure if it'll all be the same. So we also have a high level. So option one is the Wilderness of Wellness, walking into that wilderness. It's kind of scary sometimes and kind of lonely, but when you get inside, we've got your hands and we will, we will walk alongside you. We also have a high level, secondly, a, a high level intensive support package specifically for your health symptoms. This is a one-to-one -one mentorship with a practitioner here on Team CIMC, but rest assured, all of the practitioners are collaborating over you behind the scenes. In this package, this package, there's an application process because it is a 12-month commitment to you. We commit ourselves for a whole year to you and sometimes maybe even more if you need it, but we commit our ourselves one-to-one -one with you for 12 months and we want to make sure that we are the best option for you if we are not the best solution we will refer you out but if you are we will accept you and you come in if you want more information about that package no matter what your symptoms are maybe when i was talking about the health symptoms that preventing of the heart disease the diabetes or maybe it's an autoimmune issue or maybe it's other things in your family we have that for you too if you have any other questions or concerns please, please feel free to send us an email at hello at cheesecake.com. And you can, again, you can scroll the show notes, find all the information that we talked about in this episode. You'll see a new link to join our email newsletter for the podcast, you guys. You will definitely want to join this email newsletter because it will give you a heads up of the episodes that are live that week and our episodes. Let's be real. It'll be one episode most every week, but there are a few weeks that there will be a couple episodes that come out, but you'll get a live or a heads up on the episode that is live that week and some other fun, fun podcast subscriber only treats along the way. I'm so grateful that you're here and I thank you for the time in your ears and here's to an intentional 2023. Have a good one.